0: Would you just open them this morning to 1 John? So 1 John, right towards the end of your Bibles. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Jude, Revelation. That's how far it is back. And it's 1 John chapter 1 and verses, f- verse 5 to chapter 2 and verse 11. Walking in the light. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing to you with a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him And you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness, he does not know where he is going. Because the darkness has blinded him. Let's pray together, shall we? Oh God, we're just so thankful this morning for your word. As we open your word and as we read what you have left for us, we hear your voice. We know you're speaking to us and you're speaking your truth and your word to us. This morning we thank you for your love, God, that you would show us how to live, that you would tell us about you and what you've done for us and that you would provide a way for us to be forgiven of our sin, set free and able to walk in your light. Oh, God, we pray that this morning as our hearts are open and ready to hear your word, that you would speak to us, that you would help change us so that we will walk every day in your light. God, we want to thank you. Thank you for times in our lives where we can remember. And we just want to thank you for the opportunity we had this Anzac Day to pause and to remember those who have uh, been willing to to serve. God, thank you for the opportunity we had to remember those who have lost their lives. And God, we we don't want to be those that forget. And God, we remember... uh, with thankfulness that you sent your son Jesus to die. Died on a cross so that we might have life and have freedom and have uh, eternal life. And we just want to say thank you today. Thank you, God, for Jesus and for all that he means to us. And God, help us each day to look to your son for forgiveness, for strength, so that we can walk in the light. God, thank you that you're here. You're with us this morning. You're in this place. We know that where two or three are gathered, you're in the midst, and we sense this morning, God, and we know that you're here. So speak to us as we worship you now and as we open your word. Lord, we're listening. Thank you, God. Amen. Bye. that's fine.
1: Good morning. Uh, our God is good, isn't He? That's very good. Let's uh, pray before we begin. Our Father God, um, just that we ask, really ask you now that you would um, soften our hearts and minds, God. And we we offer ourselves to you now, and we say, speak to us, uh, God. Just we long to we long to hear from your Word and be uh, taught by you, and to um, be changed by the grace of your Spirit, Lord. No, please move us today. Pray, Amen. Uh, well, I want to um, just begin with a bit of a question. It's not rhetorical. It's going to be audience participation. Wonder how we'll go with it, right? I want to know in this building this morning. It's going to be a very short exercise. Who has got the most economical car? <laughs> now, so if you reckon you've got an economical car, think about two questions. How much money does it cost to fill up your tank? I want you to tell me this. How much money does it cost to fill up your tank? And the second is, how many kilometres do you get from that tank? All right, so who reckons i got the most economical car? All right, Joel, you've got a hand up, mate. You want to share? How much does it cost to fill up your tank? And how many kilometres do you get? About 50 bucks and, I don't know, 550. $50 and he gets 550 kilometres out of it. Can anyone beat that down the back there? It costs about, it's about a liter, I ah, can you translate that? <laughs> How many Ks out of that? 18 Ks a liter, so i That <laughs> sounds 18Ks. What sort of car you got down there? <laughs> mm. Poky little number, but pretty economical, right? <laughs> can anyone beat that? Who's got I oh, know someone's got um? You know, a diesel, kinda like you know one of those diesel economical numbers. Who's got one of those? What kind of economy do you get? Jeff, you're up for it? Or do you know? I don't know how much it
0: costs to fill because it's always
1: halfway, but I get about a thousand Ks out of a tank. Thousand Ks out of tank, and how much do you reckon it cost to to fill it up? <laughs> cost him two thousand dollars, but he gets it done. <laughs> Sixty bucks maybe? No, no, about eighty bucks. Eighty bucks but a thousand thousand Ks. So, interesting, there you go. Um, I think my Corolla gets about 450 k's out of a tank, yeah, Corollas, and um, cost me about 60 bucks. That's not too good in light of what you've just said there, Jeff. Um, But a little competition, and we have, I mean, an exercise, we don't compete here, of course. Um, But someone making a claim, I've got an economical car, but then what we all want to hear about is... Show me some evidence that supports your claim. You know, so you make a claim. What evidence have you got to support it? Now, some of you are going, oh, I don't believe that. I want to see more evidence than just you telling me. Maybe you want to drive in a car and get more concrete evidence. Um, but this is the claim you make. And kind of with any claim that you make about something, like people around you, if you make a big claim, people want to see the evidence that supports your claim to make sure if it's true... Or maybe it's not true, maybe it's false. Now, in the passage um, that John I read out earlier on, um, in the first letter of John, there are these people. And these people that he's writing to in the church, they're making a claim. They are claiming to be followers of Jesus Christ. They're claiming to have met the love of God. But John is writing to them saying, The evidence I see. Is not supporting your claim. The evidence needs to support the claim to follow Jesus, to say that you actually know this love of God, to say that you actually are walking in the light of His presence. So I wonder this morning, what do you claim? Do you claim this morning that you know the love of God? Do you claim that you are following Jesus? Is that your claim? Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. What does the evidence in your life support? And then is writing this letter because he's not wanting to condemn people. He's wanting to go, guys, what is it, the evidence, and let's start walking in the light. So think about that for yourself. What is your claim? What evidence does your life um, do to that? Does it support it or does it not support it? So it's a longish passage, so we're just going to piece through a little bit by a little bit. So you keep your Bibles open, that'll be, that'll be terrific. So from verse 5 of chapter 1. So it's 1 John, chapter 1, uh, from verse 5. I'll read now. 1 John 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Verse 5 tells us the amazing, this characteristic of God. John's heard it, he's seen it, And now he declares it, God is light. Now God being light, it tells us a number of things about God. For example, it speaks of his purity, speaks of his perfection, his holiness, his kind of otherness, if you like. God is amazing. And God, importantly for John's point that he's trying to make, is that God being light means that he illuminates He sheds light. He illuminates those things things around him for what they really are. So near God, those things that are hidden in the dark cannot stay hidden when they're in the presence of God because his light shows them up. His light illuminates what their true nature is. Just like a, a burglar hiding in a room in the cover of the darkness with no lights on, when the light goes on... You can see the burglar there. Light illuminates. And his point we we hear in verse 6-7 that some people have been, like I said, claiming that they are walking in the light of God's presence. Some people are claiming that they know the love of God, they're in relationship with God, but their walk is as if they're living in the darkness. It's like they're not even in the light of God's presence. And so, in verse six, he says, "If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And the truth, ah, sorry, we lie and do not live by the truth." So, in the people specifically that John's writing to, there are these people who are claiming to be better than others, claiming to be more righteous. They claim they have some kind of superior knowledge, but the way they're living is just saying something else, different kind of evidence. John says that if someone is really walking in the light of God's presence, if they're really in relationship with God, there is like two pieces of evidence that he wants to talk about that really should be seen in the life of the believer. In verse 7 he says, if we walk in the light as compared to the darkness, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have one fellowship with one another, and two, the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Two things, fellowship with other believers and we are being purified, or we're purified through the blood of Jesus from all sin. Now I want to, as it, the text goes through, it kind of unpacks both of these kind of pieces of evidence and we'll just track with the text. Um, Let's begin with the second one, this notion of um, dealing with our sin, being perfected, perfected in, in God. And I don't know about you, but as I was preparing this message, I had these, I think I'm a bit strange. This is my train of thought that I went on. I went. Um, I started, I thought of purification, purification from all sin. And then my mind went to uh, started to think about perfection, perfectionism. And then I landed in a science fiction movie. Let me explain. I should just walk out now and you go like, "Oh, you should walk out now, no." My mind was thrust forward to a time when the Earth is no longer fit for living. The clock is ticking, and we are getting closer and closer to the moment when the Earth is about to explode, and we have to vacate the Earth. And you know the deal, someone with tons of cash as a rocket ship. And what he's going to do is, he's going to blast off a number of people, about a thousand people, so I've heard, into space somewhere. It's going to set up a new civilization. And everyone else is going to die in a big ball of flames or whatever will happen. But only the perfect get on the ship. Only the perfect, only the physically perfect. Only the the people who are intellectually the smartest, only the most beautiful in the sense of Melbourne Fashion Week (laughs) will get on to this ship. Only they make the grade. Only those people can walk in the light of this new civilization, And all the others, the duds, (laughs) miss out. When I'm thinking about walking in the light of God's presence and this uh, notion of being in, in his presence, I think... You've got to be perfect. You've got to be completely without sin, surely, to walk in his presence. Is that what the text is saying? Are you perfect? Do you ever sin? Now, you might be thinking to yourself, I can't do it. There's no way I can possibly walk in the light. I'm a flat out sinner. And if you're here this morning and you sin, let me just tell you you can walk in the light. And hopefully this morning you are walking in the light. But let me tell you also that only a certain type of sinner can walk in the light. Not every kind of sinner, just one type. Let's keep looking at the text from verse 8. It says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. The only type of sinner, people, that can walk in the light of God's presence are those sinners who are dealing with their sins. We might call these people the confessors. They have faith in Jesus Christ, but daily, walking the light of God, they are confessing their sins. Those sinners who can't are those who believe that they're without sin and they deny. When sin comes up in their life they just deny it. They push it to the side. If we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned we make him out to be a liar. Now the text is not talking about sinless perfectionism. It's not at all. Because the Bible teaches that this side of the return of Jesus, no one can be completely without sin. This side of the judgment, the final judgment on the last day, no one can be without sin. No, he's saying those people who walk in the light, those people who are with God in relationship with Him, are just simply dealing with their sin. Now, we need to be people who do this. And it's an amazing thing, don't you think, that you can be here this morning and a, and a flat-out sinner and yet still walking in the light of God, you know, walking in the light of His presence. That is like praise God for His mercy. Yeah? This is brilliant. Now, it's only natural that day by day, moment by moment, we're walking with God that this is a, would be the natural thing, that if we're walking in His light... His light will just illuminate our life. And in time he'll say, he'll illuminate the life and you will say, you'll see yourself for who you are. You'll see your uh, brokenness. You'll see your sin. That's what would happen if you're walking with God each day. And then the idea is that we simply don't run from the light. We just say, here it is, I'm sorry. I confess that to you, God. Please forgive me. Give me strength with your spirit that I might live now, turning away from that sin. That's the first piece of evidence, people. If we really are walking in the light of God's presence, we're simply confessing our sin and we're repenting of it and we're living in the power of God's spirit. Now, it's not a soft, soft, soft option, this, um, to say that John is not saying to us, you know, if you just confess, it's all cool, guys, because God's a God of grace, it doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? You can sin all you want. He doesn't care. That takes for granted God's mercy, it takes for granted His grace, and the fact that your Savior was slaughtered on the cross for you and I. Now He's not saying just keep confessing it when you break it, when you mess up. Do you know what I mean? He's saying do it, confess it, move on. But then He's saying in uh, from chapter two, verse one, it says, "I write this to you so that you will not sin." But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. Here's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So this is challenging for the man, I mean bloke especially, because it's talking about doing two things at the same time. <laughs> Generalisation. So the first is, seek not to sin I'm writing it to you so you won't sin strive not to sin and on the other hand you're going to sin and when you sin you, when you're walking in God's light just uh, confess it I give this to you God please forgive me please help me by your spirit to live for you so don't do it and then you're going to do it to confess you get the point two things at the same time That's the evidence, the first piece of evidence that John is communicating this morning. So the question for you and I is, do you exhibit this piece of evidence? So today, during the last week, is this how you live as a follower of Jesus? Do you exhibit the evidence of walking in this light? That God reveals to you a broken part of your life, this sinful kind of damaged part and do you confess it? We need to engage. Do we do this? The words are not for condemnation. The words are for each and every one of us. Come back to the light. Maybe come to the light for the first time. Maybe it's uh, kind of... Recommit, rejoin this journey of walking with God close to his presence and giving him his sin daily and asking for his help to lead you. Maybe it's just to continue walking in the light. I wonder who, how you are this morning. Do you need to begin for the first time? Do you need to rejoin? Do you need to keep walking? Let's keep reading for the second piece of evidence that you're walking in the light. From verse 3 in chapter 2. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. So we know that if we are walking in the light, we know that we actually are in fellowship with this loving God if we're growing in obedience to his commands. That's the second piece of evidence. If you're growing in obedience to God's commands daily, you must be walking in his light. If you're not, John's very, very solid. He keeps telling these people he's writing to that they're lying. So obedience is the evidence. Now, obedience is the evidence that you're walking the light. Now, let me just break for an illustration. Michelle uh, and myself, we're coming up to five years of marriage bliss. No arguments at all? It's fantastic. No. Five years, anyway, of marriage, whatever that's been, right? Um, but I, I can confidently say that I'm in pretty close friendship with Michelle. I can confidently say that after uh, five years, I know her pretty well, and plus the um, two weeks we are courting before that. We know each other really well. <laughs> Joke. Please, if anyone's met us for two weeks, don't get married yet. But... And although there's no, un- there's no kind of stone tablet that Michelle, the hand of Michelle, has kind of engraved that has 10 commands for Phil to obey. There's not, but i tell you what, there's a lot of unwritten rules, okay? <laughs> She's not a taskmaster, but she has things she wants. And, um, and these, if I kind of obey these, the unwritten stone tablet in her mind, perhaps, if I obey these, it's kind of like it demonstrates the sincerity of my claim to be in friendship with her. It really does. And my desire to want to honour her. One of these rules um, stated very clearly for me to obey is don't, don't, don't pass wind. <laughs> okay? Sorry I had to regress to this kind of humour, right? Don't, don't do it in front of me, you know? Don't do it loud and proud, it's disgusting. <laughs> don't, don't be silent about it, especially if there's an undesirable odour, you know? Just kind of... This is very sad for me, people. Please don't mock this. Before I married Michelle, and before I was trying to woo her with all the charm I could muster, I enjoyed, seriously, this freedom. <laughs> And I've got to confess, finally, that I struggle. I still struggle to obey this harsh restriction. But <laughs> I'm growing in obedience. Okay? <laughs> now, I can say that I do. I want to honour Michelle. You know, as, as silly as that example is, I, want to, I seriously want to honour her. Um, but we can, we can talk it up all we want, right? That we know God. That we have this great friendship with God. We can talk it up all we want but if we're not growing in obedience to the one we love if we're not seeking to honor him more you know if that is not shown in our life the question has to be asked are we walking in the light of his presence are we really enjoying close friendship with God so let's get a little up close and personal where are you at Where, where are you at with your friendship with God? Are you growing? Is your faith and trust in Jesus? Because that's amazing. That's grace. That is like knowing God's love. But is it evident? You know, are you sh- showing the fruit that this is true in your life? Or do you maybe claim to know God, but actually your actions just say loud and clear that you're not? walking in the light. Here's another uh, option, just in case you're a real hard worker kind of person. Do you actually perceive yourself in the light because you're working really hard and you've got a great prayer and Bible reading habit and you're working your best to serve God but you lost the faith in Jesus? That might be another option. So do you, one, show you know, show the the obedience that comes from knowing God, or do you not? Now, we really need to engage, think about this, and let it sit on us, and not just let it go wash over our heads. If something's amiss, let me just say that the first few verses of what we've been looking at, John says that's all right. That's all right. If your faith isn't in Jesus, that's all right. Because sinners can walk in the light. So if you're here and you're struggling, John's saying, just come back to God. Just confess your sin to him and put your faith in Jesus' name and go on living in obedience. The second piece of evidence, walking in the light is obeying God's commands. Now, I don't know about you, right, but at this point, right, if I was to say, okay, let's go. Obey people, obey Phil, not obey Phil, but I was talking about I need to obey as well. But if I was to say that, like, I, get, I, I used to get overwhelmed by it, because I'd sort of think, okay, I've got to obey the commands, what is that? Because last week's message was a ripper, and it just told me what I have to do now. God's word, the next thing to obey, and I'm going, I've got to do that now, but then this week, you know, like the message was about this, and I'm going, that or this. And then I went to a conference the other week and the message was about that. And what am I supposed to obey? I feel like I'm going all over the place. It's confusing. Kind of, I reckon, John continues and he's and he sort of saying, you know, people, there's, there's lots to obey. And as you read God's word, there's lots that come out. that is how you shape your character and all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you, at the, at the base of it, There's some key things that never change, that are absolutely foundational. And it's loving God, and there's another one that comes after that. And that's loving other people. So in verse 5, it says, this is how we know we're in him. It says, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him, Jesus, and you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. It's a lot in that. The command is an old one, given to the people right back at the formation of God's people. You read about it in Leviticus. But it's also a new one, because now Jesus, the Son of God, has come, and he's saying, this is the command for you, John 13 Thirty-four. we read about this. He says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the foundational kind of command to sort of seek. The foundational one, the classic, the standard, the quintessential command. And now, While we're called to love all people, what John is really getting at in in his text here is saying, love all people, yes, but love your brother and your sister in the faith. Love them with a sacrificial love like you've seen me love people. It's pretty amazing that you think that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you become a believer, that you enter into this family, and that God is saying that if you love your family, if you just love them like you love yourself, if you just pursue serving them sacrificially, I'm sitting up in heaven and I'm glorified by this. I delight, this delights me. When you love each other, that God is honoured. I think it's amazing. And then in verse 8 it says, it's, it's truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. And I think what the verse is saying is that when believers love each other sacrificially, we function as God's light in the world. So you know, they'll know us by our love. People look into a community of faith and they're overwhelmed by the love. There are testimonies of people coming to faith in this church that have been overwhelmed by the love and start investigating God. This is amazing. It's like a a launching pad for mission. Do we love people? Do we love the family of God here? Do we really love them sacrificially like Jesus? Now, I used to chase my brother around the golf course with a golf club. And I swear, if I had have caught him, I would have smashed him on the kneecap. There was another time when uh, he was really frustrating me and I was going to punch him in the head. Confession. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to punch him in the head, only he hit me first. <laughs> I'm angry with him, he hits me in the head, and I have to go and cry to mum. But as time has progressed, our friendship, I tell you what, it's as close as any brother could be. It really is. Now, two men of God seeking to live more for Jesus, and we build each other up. We talk about our issues when we get offended. We just talk about stuff. We pray for each other. We encourage each other to read the word. I love him so much. He's my family. Now, if you already know Jesus this morning, then look around. Because if these other people are knowing Jesus too, this is your family. Not in any theoretical sense of the word. We're family despite grievances, despite issues. Move outside the four walls and we're family with others despite geographic location. We're family despite poverty and wealth. So let's love our family sacrificially. Let's be determined, especially here in this local area of Aubrey-Wodonga, let's be determined to encourage each other in our faith. It's not weird to talk about your faith. It's not weird to pray for each other. That's what family members do. Don't be scared to talk about it. Let's build each other up. And something else, let's refuse to tear each other down. If you've you've got a problem with somebody, please develop the courage and the strength to go and address the person. Don't keep talking to everyone else about it. Talk to them. And if you see a brother or sister, and let me just say, they're your brother and sister, if you see them and they're in need and they've got nothing, then give. Give your time. Give your money. Give your prayers. Let's love each other deeply, sacrificially. John's a soft, um, soft kind of writer, so let's have a look at the last verse just to kind of build us up. Um, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. Fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus, we're called to love one another and that is the second piece of evidence that Walking in the light will in our life. If we know Jesus, that will be happening. We'll be growing in obedience to love others. Let me land. The challenge. If we know the love of God, if we have put our faith in Jesus, and if you are here this morning and you haven't, then let me just urge you, if you can't do that today, then keep pressing into God so that you know enough to do that. But if you put your faith in Jesus... Develop a lifestyle of dealing with your sin. So when you, as you seek to walk closer with God and He reveals stuff in your life, confess it. Give it back to God. Don't be scared of walking next to God for fear that He might reveal stuff to you. Sin is walking the light, people. Let's be people dealing with our sin. And second, let's practice more and more the, the, the obey, the, to obey the command of loving our brother and our sister. So to leave you with it, what evidence do you display on your life? What, this, what is it this morning that God is calling you to do? Whoever we are, people, we can walk in the light through Jesus' name. Let's pray. Oh, Father God... Um, you know, I just want to pray on behalf of everyone here this morning. And, uh, and Lord Jesus, we want to give ourselves afresh to you this morning. And we want to recommit our lives to you, God. Father, this morning, we put our trust into you again. Father, we want to trust you and nothing else. And we confess the sin in our life, Lord, that we often deny that you have kind of been challenging us about we want to confess that to you, God. Lord, help us by the power of your Spirit to walk in love and not to shy away from the light. To confess our sin, Lord, and to love like you love, God. Lord, for people who are here this morning, who have got grievances with our fellow family members, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them, that your Spirit would encourage them, that that would have some uh, compulsion from knowing your love and, Lord, that uh, this morning they might make a, you know, that real, that just kind of really commit to um, going and writing that. Mm-hmm. Father God, we long to be your children who day after day just are more and more glorifying your name. And we know we can't do that by ourselves, So we ask for your help, but we also ask that you'd strengthen us and we'd just commit today to living are fresh for you in pray in Jesus' name. Amen.